welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. Join your host, Rhonda Arl and Laura Forehand. We want to help you as teachers reach your full potential by keeping you up to date with all the latest and best Whole Brain Teaching strategies. Whole Brain Teaching is a grassroots educational reform movement founded by Coach Chris Biffle, Jay Vanderfin, and Chris Rexstad. Whole Brain Teaching's goal is to create peaceful classrooms through orderly fun. To support the podcast, please like and share with other teachers. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. And now, here are Laura and Rhonda. Welcome to Holbury Teaching the Podcast. I'm Laura Forehand. We're so grateful that you joined us for another episode today. I um, am here with my great friend, Rhonda. And Rhonda, I'm going to have you introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. I'm Rhonda Earls. I'm a retired second grade teacher um, in Goddard, Kansas. I'm an executive whole brain teaching. Let me try that again. I'm an executive board member for whole brain teaching. And I work with... um, certification. And if you haven't checked that out, we'd love you to get on board with certification. Yeah. Awesome. Um, We are really happy to have a guest back with us again today. We uh, had Sarah Metter on with us not too long ago to talk about the scoreboard. And she has graciously agreed to uh, come back on and talk about something that I'm really excited about. So welcome back, Sarah. How are you doing? It's been a couple days. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, I'm so I'm so grateful that you guys wanted to have me back again. And I just love so much uh, what you guys are doing. And for all the listeners, it's just wonderful to know that you're able to pop in an earbud and listen to some whole brain teaching training. And I just love it. I wish I would have had the podcast when I was learning about whole brain teaching way back in 2013. So I think it's a wonderful resource. Yeah, absolutely. So today we want to talk about how we can weave growth into everything that we do. So I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about why this is such an important concept for us as teachers and for our students. Sure. So one of the main components of whole brain teaching is motivation. So if you go to the website, wholebrainteaching.com, you click on motivation at the top, you'll see there's really two big games that we play. One of them was the scoreboard, which is what we talked about in our last podcast. Mm -hmm. And the other is super improvers. Scoreboard is your in the moment, whole class motivator. Super improver is your more individual motivator. Um, And with a super improver, the basics of it is you have this ladder from turtle to alpha hawk, or if you're upper grade from scrub to alpha hawk, and you have uh, student cards next to it and you set a goal for the day. Um, And that goal is really a goal for you as the teacher. It's whatever you're looking for improvement in your students and you can set any goal you want you know it can be you're looking for just rule one following directions quickly so anytime you see students improving and following rule one and that's the key improving not just being good at it but improving in it uh, you award a star and the star goes on the student's card and when they get enough stars then they level up to whatever the next level is on on the ladder and that's the basics of super improver but In order for the system to truly work, it comes down to the teacher being able to change their goggles. And that's the phrase we use a lot when we talk about super improver. And what that means is as teachers, we're kind of conditioned in the system of 
attainment, the system of grades of, you know, I have second graders, so they have to be reading at a second grade level, or I have fifth graders, and they have to meet all of these fifth grade math standards. Um, and what we forget sometimes is we don't always get that are ready for those levels. Um, sometimes they're way above those levels already, and sometimes they're way below those levels. So instead of looking at attainment and meeting a certain level, what we want to do is look for opportunities to award for, for growth. And growth is the awarding for growth is the number one job that we as whole brain teachers believe um, that all teachers have. That is our number one job to look for and to recognize growth. But how do you do that in a system that isn't set up for that? And so that's kind of what I wanted to dive in today with the podcast are just different tips and strategies that teachers can use to really make this super improver program more simple. Um, to be able to uh, utilize it with the curriculum and the lessons that you're already needing to do because of the system, um, but how you can really simply adapt it um, and start changing your goggles. That's the plan. Yeah, no, that's perfect plan. I, I love that direction. So what are some of the, you know, whole brain teaching strategies that we can use in our classrooms to help you know, change our goggles for one, but also, you know, I, I think too, there's an, another aspect of it as far as like students, students owning that growth. So what strategies, you know, can we pull from whole brain teaching to help, help in our classrooms with that respect? And that's the big question. And we, we see that question a lot in our Facebook grade level groups. If you're listening and you're not a part of Facebook grade level groups uh, jump in because there's so much great conversation that's mm -hmm. happening there. Um, ask questions on any topics, you'll get lots of responses. Um, and it's really grade level appropriate. And that's a question that we see come up a lot, which is, you know, how do I when do I, um, you know, uh, teachers are, are all in on the, um, the structure of the game, but really putting that game in practice every day can be a little overwhelming. Um, so to make it simple, what I suggest is that as you are a, say, a second grade teacher, you look at, okay, tomorrow, these are the lessons that I have to teach. It's not whole brain teaching related. It's just general curriculum. Here's what we're going to teach tomorrow. And so say you have, like, you're doing math lesson five, and then you're doing a science lab, because we should be doing science every day. That's yes. my science plug as a science teacher. Um, and then you're going to read chapter four in some book that you've been reading, you know, whatever your normal plans are. And my best advice is in every lesson that you're teaching throughout the day, spend just a few seconds as a teacher in your planning to specifically plan for opportunities that students can show improvement. And that's really right there. The key statement, you have to plan for opportunities. Now you don't have to only, let me back up. So you can on the fly at any time, anytime your, your goggles have really changed, you're going to see improvement happen all around you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you call a class. Yes. And you notice, man, Billy in the back, that was the fastest class. Yes. I've seen all week. That's the time to award a star. Anytime where you notice it in the moment, boom, award that star. But we know as teachers, we are multitasking and doing 90 million things at every second of the day. And so if we don't consciously plan opportunities for improvement, 
sometimes the day can pass us by and we haven't acknowledged and rewarded improvement. Um, and that, again, that's our number one goal. So to do that, you want to look at the lessons that you're going to teach in the day. So say math lesson five and a science lab and reading chapter four and ask yourself, what do I want to do in that lesson to allow my students to improve? And that's it. That's the question that you have to ask yourself. And the more you ask yourself that question, the more you're able to come up with things that you can do in that lesson, the easier it gets. So I've got, um, I think there's six or seven just examples of kind of your, your bag of tricks of things that you can do to weave in improvement. Um, and the first is super speed games. Uh, when you two were, were teaching, I know Laura, you're still teaching, Rhonda, you're retired. Did you use super speed games in your classrooms? Yes. Occasionally. Yeah. yeah occasionally. So we have uh, the super speed reading and we have the super speed math. Um, and they're both, you know, a complete set. You can download them. You can read the rules. Um, but they're both based on the same idea where you're going to do something for a minute and then you're going to do it again to try to beat your score. So it's this philosophy or idea of setting records and breaking records. And you can apply that philosophy to so many different things. Mm -hmm. So you can, let's say you're doing, um, you're doing spelling today. Well, maybe you're going to do a super speed game with spelling where you have kids see how many words they can write in a minute. And then you have them do it again to try to beat their score or you see how many words a student can spell in a minute, and then you do it again to try to beat your score. So this idea of super speed, the games that, that Holbrain Teaching has provided are awesome, great for fluency, great for math fact memorization, but the idea of it, you can really kind of tweak and apply to so many different things. So super speed games are one kind of tool in your little bag of tricks. Mm -hmm. um, as, as an example, I play super speed games a lot right before we're going to do a test. So I'll make a, a sheet with uh, questions and answers on the front, and then the back only has the questions. And so, Laura, you and I are partners. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be looking only at the questions. I'm going to read the question out loud, and then I'm going to come up with the answer. And you run uh, as my partner, or Laura, whoever my partner is, is going to be looking at the answers. If I get it right, nothing. If I get it wrong, you just tell me, try again. And I try to go as fast as I can to answer as many questions as I can in a minute. I have to read the question and then give the answer. Minute timer goes off. Okay. Oh, I got seven. So I'm going to try it again. I'm going to play again. So now I'm getting double the practice because I'm mm -hmm. playing twice with now this goal of trying to improve. So super speed, the specific games that are available are awesome, um, but you can kind of customize any kind of super speed game where you do something for a minute and then try to do it again to beat your score. I love um, so that idea what, about a review. I hadn't yeah. even thought about it like that before. So starting out, if you were new to these super speed games, how, how long do you spend on these games? Like in this lesson time? Gotcha. Um, well, when you're looking at your plans, if your plans include some fluency work, um, and you're, you know, a younger grade teacher and you're working on building fluency, then you're going to play super speed 100. And it might take five, 10 minutes to get all your materials out to, you know, if Rhonda, if you and I are partners, I'm going to play twice. So that's two minutes. And you're going to play twice. So that's two minutes. 
And then we've got a little transition time in between. So that's five minutes out of, out of my lesson that I'm going to use to play this super speed game. Um, when I play it in that example before a test with the super speed questions, that's what I call it. Um, it's same thing. It's, you know, four or five minutes, add an, a minute on to celebrate the improvement that you've made at the end. And when you tie it to that super improver, every student that improves gets a star on their super improver card. Um, when we play in upper grades, we have one card for the whole class. So every improvement a student makes is a star line on our class card. So then there's, we're still recognizing individual improvements. So Super Speed Games is one example. Um, I play another game that I love um, with that same idea in mind. Um, and it works really great because I have these black lab desks and I love chalk markers. Did you guys mm -hmm. ever use chalk markers or whiteboards or anything like that in your classes? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just bring in like a funny colored marker and man, everybody just goes crazy over it. It's so right. funny. So I'd bring in the chalk markers and again, we're working on improving, right? So you have to do something once to set the record and then you have to do it again to break the record. So I play this game, I called it desk models where I teach science. So I would give my students some kind of concept and I would give them a chalk marker and give them one minute to draw a model of that concept on their desk. Um, you know, I teach eighth grade, so it could simply be uh, molecules. Molecules are your concept. So one minute to draw. And I said, if you write words, you can write words, but you can only write one word as a label, like no paragraphs, no sentences. Mm -hmm. It has to be, you know, a, a, a model. And after that minute was up, I would then give them a rubric. I would say, okay, give yourself, and I, they make a little tally mark, give yourself one point if you included this. Give yourself another point if you included this. And so I'm really telling them what my rubric is, and they're mm -hmm. scoring themselves. And then I would always say, give yourself a bonus point if you also included this, something maybe above and beyond that you know, wasn't really included in that, but it's kind of the next step mm -hmm. for molecules. Maybe it was, you know, they included um, an extended structure or they included a, a chemical formula, like something above and beyond, you know, and you can do the same thing in younger grades, um, you know, draw a model of everything you know about a noun and they could draw or draw a model of um, a 10 frame and they have to draw one and label it with everything they know about a 10 frame. And then you give them the, the rubric and they score themselves. And then you have them erase it all, leaving their score. And then you, they do it again. And this time when they do it, they know what your rubric is and right. they know what the bonus is. So they're more likely to score higher the second time. And again, we're looking for improvement. We reward improvement. Everybody gets a star in their card that improved their score. All it is is really a way for them to review twice. And that's yeah. golden. Do you time it when you have them do that? Yep, I do. I do it for a minute. Okay. I love the idea of minute super speed games because it's yeah. just so quick. And mm -hmm. that, you know, it's always more exciting when they have to go fast. Right. Mm -hmm. So did you, was that, was that still another example of a super speed game? The example that you just gave us, or do you call it something else? Yeah, I call all of those things super okay. speed games. In, in upper grades, I don't play super speed hundred, which are, if you're not familiar for the listeners are the hundred most used sight words. So it's really mm -hmm. just a fluency practice. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with a super speed, a thousand or super speed math facts. I teach eighth grade science. So I don't use any of those super speed games, right. but I really love the idea of 
setting records and breaking records. And so when you're thinking about how can you weave in opportunities for improvement, you could think, all right, is there any kind of super speed game, any kind of a minute worth of something my students could do, and then they do it again to try to beat their score. And you're bringing in that, you know, gamification, which is what whole brain teaching is all about. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I love that um, idea of just making anything you need to do into a super speed. I've never really thought of it that way, to be honest with you. Like I, I never kind of thought outside of the box. So I'm glad that you gave us some of those examples because those that's definitely some things that I can do in my classroom this year, rather than just pulling out, you know, the super speed 100 or, but I will say in second grade, I've used the super speed math and they absolutely love it. And they get really good about encouraging each other because they're working with a partner, um, encouraging each other. And um, yeah, so they've been very powerful. Yeah. I, I love super speed math, not for my own students, but for the listeners that aren't familiar with it, super speed math is basically if you were in, in school, or if you use these with your students, it's like a timed math test where you have to get you know, 100 problems right in five minutes or whatever ridiculous number it is. And I, I have three kids. One's going to be a senior. Um, one's going into seventh. One's going into the fifth. And all three of them, when they were in younger grades and did timed math, had super anxiety, mm-hmm. would come home very upset by it. They never wanted to show me their papers because they never felt like they were meeting that attainment target. And that's the key right there. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they didn't see their own progress. So I actually worked with several teachers in my district who started using it. And I really saw the results just with my own kids. Because with super speed math, it's not you have to get this many problems. It's all right, you have a minute. How many problems can you get correct? And then the next time we play it, you're just going to try to beat your score. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a different mindset. And that's why we say changing your goggles, really setting records and breaking records. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Mm-hmm. Well, has there ever been, since this is kind of student on student when they're doing it together, has there, I mean, how do you handle like cheating? Do you have to monitor it pretty close? Mm-hmm. So I could see some of my second graders helping each other out to get that super improver sticker when they really mm-hmm. haven't earned it. What would, what would be your advice for that? I love that question. And the first thing that pops into my head when I hear that question is, man, those kids are buying into this system. If you're cheating to try to get a star, I have you hook, line, and sinker. Um, so that just comes back to, you know, conversations of what does it look like? What does it like to be a good partner. And even in younger grades like that, when you're say, for example, if you're using the questions and answers, if Rhonda, you and I are partners, and I get one wrong, we should do some wrong way, right way. And how you're going to tell me I'm wrong, you know, wrong way would be (laughs) wrong. eh, You know, like kids love to like shout out and make (laughs) loud sounds. And I'm sure I just woke some (laughs) listeners up with those loud sounds. Um, But then you do the right way with try again. And so you just practice what that looks like and what that sounds like. And because you're only playing for a minute, that high intensity action and that feeling of only doing it for a minute, it it really does reduce a lot of those situations when you then pair it with the wrong way, right way of how we are good partners and just breeding just the natural, uh, the natural environment of that no fearless classroom. Mm -hmm. I was going to say that like, 
brings in a lot of other aspects just about like showing glorious kindness and, you know, how to be a good leader and just all those other aspects of whole brain teaching that, um, that we've talked about on the podcast. And I love too that the super speed games, one that's, that are on teachers pay teachers under, um, whole brain teaching official store, those have great directions. So like if, if Thank you're, you. If you're not really sure, I mean, they give you step-by-step directions, which I think is perfect. So They do. And what I love about those games is they're, they're already made and they're already set for you. Um, but then when we come back to how do we weave in growth into everything, it doesn't have to be a 20-minute extra activity that you're doing. Um, right. and, and this is where, you know, when I start with super speed games, it's this idea of setting and breaking records. And when you truly change your goggles, you'll start to see those opportunities in other places too. So I am, uh, if you know anything about me, I love the digital teacher world. So I love all kinds of digital games. When Kahoot first came out, I really loved Kahoot. Um, but the one thing I disliked about Kahoot, if you're not familiar, it's just an online digital game that kids can play. Um, but really the kids that win are the kids that are the fastest readers and the fastest clickers. Um, and so it really wasn't, we'd play it and it'd be fun and it gets all the kids super jacked up and energized. Um, but there were a couple newer games that came out, um, that I've completely fallen in love with. And it's Gimkit and Blookit. Have the two of you ever heard of Gimkit and Blookit? Mm-hmm. So obviously this is a whole brain teaching podcast. So I'm not promoting any other, uh, any other activities. But these games or any other digital style games that you play, you can play with this idea of setting and breaking records in mind. And I'll give you an example. So Gimkit, which is G-I-M-K-I-T, Gimkit is very similar to Kahoot, but what it allows students to do is answer questions at their own pace. Mm. So it's like this online game, cool thing where they're motivated to answer these questions. And it's really fun. They're really engaged, um, but it's not timed in that manner. So they can take as long as they need, which, you know, for our students that need a little longer time to read or time to process, it's going to give you a more valid score. So knowing that I love these games that I play, I thought, okay, how am I going to weave in opportunities for growth while we're playing these games? And again, Mm -hmm. we're coming back to, here's what I want to do in my lesson plan. How am I going to weave in opportunities for growth? So what I did with these games is uh, I like to play these games for vocabulary words. So I'll put all of my vocabulary words for the unit in one of these games and we play it on day one. And at the end of day one, I jot down all of their scores because these games are, you know, it's all digital. My kids play for 10 or 15 minutes and are completely engaged the whole time, which is awesome. Um, And then after that time, I can see all their percentages and I just write them down. I say, great job. We'll play again later. And then the next day or two days later, we're going to play again. And the only thing that I talk about at the end of the game is improvement the end of the game, I'll look at their scores them down. And while I'm writing them down, I'll say things like, um, Susie, great job improving. Come give me a tally mark because we're upper grade. So we have one class card. Um, Their improvements are star lines, um, but I don't let them write on my actual student card. So I just have to make a tally mark up on the board and they get to come up and they get to mark their tally. And it's kind of like their, you know, red carpet walk up Mm -hmm. to 
to make their tally uh, of improvement. And so that's their, their celebration. If you do it in younger grades, it's the same thing. It's Laura, you improved, come get your star. Rhonda, you improved, come get your star. And I don't, I mean, obviously I don't say, Oh, Laura, you didn't improve today. It's just down the list. Whoever improved, you come get your score. And what I love about that is Laura, nobody knows that the first time you played it, you had a 1% and this time you got a 3%. Nobody knows that. Mm-hmm. And also Rhonda, you didn't get a star today. The last time you got a 96% and this time you got a 95%. So we're not acknowledging attainment. We're acknowledging improvement. So mm-hmm. we take where you're at, that's setting your record. Mm-hmm. And then you got to break that record. That's the key. But when I started to look at all of these things with the changing your goggles, you can, you can start to really weave it into everything you're doing. Yeah. And I think that's what I've seen on Facebook that teachers are struggling the most with is adjusting those goggles. And that's why there's been so many questions. So hopefully this will answer some of those questions for them. Yeah. So I, I hope so. I had a kind of a question that goes along that line. And, and because I think when I first started like looking for improvement and the soup, you know, starting the super improver board and all that, um, what is the best advice that you can give to help us teachers change our goggles so that we are noticing improvement? So when I say that, I think it's so easy to fall back on, you know, oh, they're doing it right. Oh, they, you know, and giving those stars for achievement rather than improvement. So I don't know if they're, I don't know if that's kind of a, kind of a loaded question or what, but like, no, I think that's, that's right in line with exactly what we're talking about. And my best advice for that is to consciously plan opportunities for improvement. Because if you don't do that, it's very easy to fall back into the old habits of, oh, Billy's doing such a nice job. Well, what does that mean? So here, here's an example. Let's just, let's just lay it all out there. We're doing super improver. I've made a decision. I've got my ladder. I've got my suit cards up and I'm going to set a goal today for rule one. So rule one is follow directions quickly. And I've noticed my students are really slow with transitions and just in general. And so that's my goal. So first thing to do for teachers that are just starting or who are feeling overwhelmed is just set one goal for the whole day. And Mm -hmm. your job is to look for improvement in students following directions quickly. That's it. That's all you have to do. And if you off the cuff notice, wow, Billy is way faster at lining up today than he was yesterday, or um, Susie is taking out her folder much faster. You know, those, those times when you just notice it, award a star, but that's only going to get you so far. Right. So then we come back to look at your list of what your lessons are and look at each lesson with how can I create an opportunity for students to improve in our goal for today in following directions quickly. And so maybe during our math lesson, we're going to play the timer game. The timer game is explained on the classroom rules page where you basically see how long it takes them to do something. And mm-hmm. then when they try again later, um, you know, you try to beat your score again, see that set a record, break right. a record. And that's what you're going to do during your math lesson. Your math lesson, what you're looking for in improvement is follow directions quickly. So how can you weave in an opportunity to follow directions quickly in your math lesson? Well, the timer game is great. And maybe you want to play the timer game again during your science lab. 
So let's just say your students are having trouble putting their science lab supplies away and they're really slow with that. So you know your goal for the day is rule one, follow directions quickly. So during science, we're gonna play the timer game again. So looking at each lesson that you're teaching and thinking, what is my goal for today? What do I wanna work on? And how can I specifically during that lesson weave in opportunities for improvement? It works to just wait for you to notice improvement. That does work. Oh gosh, I noticed Johnny really improved. But what works even better is to specifically plan opportunities within your lesson for students to improve. And that's, that's the key there. And so having that bag of tricks can be helpful of, you know, super speed games, you've got the desk games you can play, you've got the timer game, um, you've got the three-peat. Uh, and all of those things are different, different tricks that you can kind of weave in any lesson you're teaching. That's the word I kind of, when you said the word specifically, that's, that's the word that kind of clicked with me just now, like being intentional, being intentional about yes. it. I think that's so, so important. Otherwise I'll speak for myself. I fall back on what I always did, which was, you know, here's a sticker for doing a great job. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's, mm-hmm. that's not going to have our, that's not going to help us change our goggles or help our students change their goggles and, and want to be motivated to improve. So great, great point. I would agree. Well, Sarah, as always, this has been a joy and so very informative. I think I should have all these years had you talk to you before the school year started because you get my mind ready to go for the school year. And I feel bad that I'm not able to apply it for this upcoming year, but always so informative. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much. We want to encourage our listeners to go to wholebrainteaching.com and review some of these ideas Sarah has shared with us. And it's also on Teachers Pay Teachers. So I think the link from the website will take you right to that Teachers Pay Teachers source um, in our Holbrook Teaching official store. Also be sure to be a part of the Holbrook Teaching community by following all the Facebook pages and our Instagram pages. Yeah, thank you, Sarah, so much for joining us again and for helping us understand how we can incorporate growth into every aspect of our classrooms in the coming school year. Um, We want to also thank you all, our listeners, for liking, subscribing, and sharing the podcast. We know this would not be possible without you, so thank you. 